Welcome to the podcast. This is Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Life Over Coffee. This is the podcast where I interact with you, answering your questions and dealing with different kinds of issues. In today's podcast, well, let me give you the title of it. This is episode 115. Episode 115. What is body-to-body ministry in the local church? What I mean by that question is body-to-body ministry is how are we doing with the body of Christ caring for the body of Christ? God has called every Christian to disciple other Christians. There are no exceptions to that rule. Every Christian is called to provide soul care to other Christians. This opportunity is not for an elite set of Christians, but the privilege of every person that the Lord has regenerated, those who have been born again. I think, to some degree, there has been an unintended consequence to the biblical counseling movement. It has, to some degree, created the idea that only certain people can provide discipleship to the body of Christ. I am using the word discipleship and counseling as synonyms because counseling is discipleship. Counseling is sitting down with an individual or a couple or a family and working through an issue, and that is the core of discipleship. I don't struggle with the word counseling per se, unless it has created an unintended consequence to where some Christians disqualify themselves from doing the work of discipleship. No Christian should ever say, I can't do that, or I am not qualified to do that. The that is, I'm not qualified to do discipleship. The woman at the well had met Jesus for half a minute, and she went into town and began to tell people in proportion to what she knew. There is no level of discipleship education that you have to get to before you can start helping an individual. You can start helping immediately. Oh, you might not be able to unpack a person and help them to see the hidden idolatries of their heart and formulate a plan for them to repent of those heart idolatries and to begin to walk out repentance on a daily basis by giving them a plan, a practical plan to where they can overcome completely whatever it is that's hindering them. There are gradations within the discipleship community, but the people who make up the discipleship community, they are Christians. Everybody can do it to some level. My children would not be able to sit down and and walk a couple through marriage issues. I wouldn't put that on them. I wouldn't guilt them into that. wouldn't put that kind of pressure on them. But do you know that they provide counsel to Rick and Lucia, their parents, to me and my wife? 
They have brought wonderful insight into our lives because they know us better than most anyone else on the planet. And they have biblical insight. It's the insight of a teenager. It's the insight of a young person. But we, we don't disqualify them because they are young. We don't despise their youth, as Paul told Timothy. There's not an elite group. We're all in the same group with differing gifts, of course. And so in this podcast, I want to walk through what is body-to-body ministry. Now, I have a graphic here that I will articulate to you. If you want to look at the graphic or get the graphic, you're welcome to do that. Go to episode 115. The title of the podcast, What is Body-to-Body Ministry in the Local Church? And I will walk through the graphic, but you're welcome to it. Now, before I get into these elements, I, I do have some articles here that, that may be helpful to you if you want to read them. One of those is how to help a person get right with God. It is a step-by-step plan. It really walks through Matthew 18, 15 through 17 of of what some people call church discipline, what I tend to call church restoration process. How do you restore a person back to Christ? And so that article lays that out. That may be really beneficial for you. I have another one that asks the question, do you fight fires or do you change lives? In some of our churches, there are more firefighters, meaning that they're so busy, so frenetic, doing ministry, whatever that may be, that they don't do soul care well. And the only time that they, or predominantly, when they do soul care is when a fire breaks out. Well, I'm glad that they can do soul care at that point, but that's not best option. We want to be preventative. We don't want to just fight fires. And so this article is, do you fight fires or do you change lives? Are you doing preventative soul care so that the fires don't break out? That is the best case scenario. And then the third article is how to build and enjoy enjoy a dynamic community life. And so you can get those articles here if you want and I would love for you to read them. You can also go to my store and get The Local Church. It is a small booklet that I wrote. I put out there, and, and you can get it. You, also, you can also get it on Amazon if you want. And it really gives you a whole lot more detail. It's about 30,000 words, I think, and you can get that in the store. The Local Church. Love it, leave it, change it. And I walk through all kinds, and there, there are all kinds of things regarding the local church. And there have been many people who have responded favorably to that booklet, that it has helped them. One group of elders have read that booklet, and they have really been encouraged, and they're in process of making changes at their, at their local church. And so you can go to our store and get that if you like. Before I get into the granular level of body-to-body ministry, there are five qualifying questions that you can ask yourself to see if you qualify for discipleship. If you are a discipler, now if you want to use the word counselor, that's fine. They're synonyms, as I said. But here are five qualifying questions to see if you are a counselor, a discipler for Jesus. Number one, are you a 
Christian. That is the number one qualifier. If you are not born again, then you will not be able to help people in a long-term sustainable way. Because the way that we help people is spiritual. We give spiritual advice. And by the way, the counselor, capital C, or the discipler, the capital D, is the Holy Spirit. God is the one that brings change. All we do is water and plant, according to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3. I am God's water boy, and you are God's water boy or water girl. All we can do is water and plant, but it is God that does the heavy lifting when it comes to discipleship. And so a non-Christian can't do that because God is in an adversarial relationship with a non-Christian. Plus, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. These are spiritual activities that we are doing, and the activity happens on the inside. Our world does counseling, but what they do is external Uh, behavioral modification, external modification. They can't do heart work because, again, that's spiritual. It's in the soul. It's soul care, and only the Lord can do that. And so the first qualifying question is, are you born again? Has God regenerated you? Number two is, do you love God? That's absolutely essential. It's essential for several reasons. If you don't love God, then you will grieve or quench the Spirit of God. If you don't love God, He will be in opposition to you. According to James 4, 6, God opposes the proud. But also, and I think this is important, your starting place needs to be, I love God. We don't want to start with the counselee or the disciplee, the person that we are caring for. We don't want to start horizontally. We want to start vertically. If you are not tethered to God, anchored by God, managed, governed by God, if you don't have a reciprocal relationship with the Lord, He loves you and you love Him It will damage the kind of counsel that you offer to people, especially people that don't change, the hard cases, or relatives that you want to see change. You'll become impatient with them, and you'll do things that you will later regret if you are not tethered to God. You must have affection for the Lord. Are you a Christian is question number one. Question number two is, do you love God? Question number three is, do you love people? Now, questions two and three are the two great commandments. You love God and others more than yourself. It is hard to fathom an individual that would say that I do not love people. By the way, I had a leader tell me one time, a leader in a local church, he said, I don't, I don't like people. I was, I was perplexed and dumbfounded when I was somewhat angered. How can you be a leader? Your first call to action as a leader is to step down from leadership if you don't love people because you are, you're doing damage to the local church. You must love people. Love people and gospel are synonyms. If you don't like people, you are antithetical to the gospel and God is in opposition to you. So before you get into body-to-body ministry, 
how you answer these questions. Are you a Christian? Do you love God? Do you love people? Number four, do you love God's Word? Well, I need not make a case for loving God's Word. You know it very well. I would encourage you to read Psalm 119. That entire psalm is about God's Word, and and hopefully it would resonate with you and stir up that affection that you have for God's Word. But not just loving God's Word. God's Word is the best psychology book that's ever been written. Psyche logos means the study of the soul. It's the word concerning the soul. Psyche, soul, logos, word. Psychology is the study of the soul. God created the soul in Genesis 2-7. And God created the word concerning the soul in 2 Timothy 3-16. He breathed into man, and he became a living soul. He breathed into men, and they wrote the soul book. It is the perfect match, the best, purest form of psychology that there is. The soul care book is bringing the Word of God to bear in people's lives. The question is, number four, do you love God's Word? Number five, the last qualifying question is, do you want to see others change? If you answer no to any of those questions, then your first call to action is repentance. If you're not a Christian, if you do not love God, if you do not love people, if you do not love God's Word, and if you do not want to see people change, my appeal to you in the strongest way that I can say it is, you need to repent of any one of or all five of those things, whichever apply. But if you are a Christian and you love God and love people and love His Word and you want people to change, you're in the perfect place. You are a counselor and you need to be counseling. You are a discipler and you need to be discipling. Now what I want to do is I'm going to walk through this graphic that you cannot see unless you're listening to this podcast while you're looking at it. And if you are, that's fantastic. By the way, those qualifying questions that I just read to you and a few others that I'm going to share a little bit later on, they're all in the show notes here, episode 115. And so you can get all of this and you can Read along with me if you want. But body-to-body ministry, in this graphic, there are nine elements to what body-to-body ministry looks like. And my hope is that it looks like this in your local church. The first element I have is counseling in the way that you probably understand counseling, a formalized context where Two people meet or, or a couple meets with a counselor and they talk in private about whatever's going on in their lives that they're trying to work through or rectify. There is a place for this in the local church. We need a place to where Christians can come to receive intensive discipleship care for a particular problem. It doesn't need to happen in a small group. It doesn't need to happen in any other kind of setting. Now, it doesn't have to be in an office. 
It can be at Starbucks. It can be in your living room. It can be on your front porch. It can be when you're camping out somewhere. It can happen anywhere, but it's a private setting to where things have gotten to the place to where you need this kind of particular care. And so counseling is a part of body-to-body ministry or this isolated discipleship between two or three people. Now, you might not be able to do this. You might not be able... There, I, I, You could also call this formalized counseling. And everybody in the local church can't do formalized counseling. Everybody doesn't have the gift for it. Think about it like singing. Everybody can sing, but not everybody is going to stand in front of the church on a Sunday morning and sing a solo. I'm not. Nobody's ever asked, and I promise you nobody will ever ask. I don't feel jealous because I can't sing well. I don't feel jealous at all. God did not give me that gift. There is a skill set involved in singing that well, a skill set, gifting from God, but also training that allows them to fulfill the gifting that God has given them. Now, there are some people in the local church who get psychology. They understand the soul and they under, the intricacies of the soul, and they understand how to bring God's Word, the soul book, to the soul and make it practical, make it real, make it resonate in the mind of the person who wants to change. That is a high-level, formalized-type counseling or discipleship that's going on, and everybody cannot do that. There are some people who have a burden to do that, but they can't do it. They just don't have the gifting. There are some people that have a burden. They want to sing, but they just don't have the gifting. It doesn't mean that they're less than any other person in the church. Not true. We all have our different gifting. And so on one hand, everybody is a counselor. Everybody is a discipler. And then on the other hand, there are gradations. There's a stratification here. And we all work together, which leads to element number two, a a one-another type ministry, not formalized intense counseling, but one-another. And it's one of, when I led a counseling ministry in a local church many years ago, one of the most blessed things that was a part of our counseling ministry is to have come alongside friends that would meet with these counselees during the week when I couldn't. You see, counseling is, for me, it's a two-hour meeting. That's what counseling is. All my counseling sessions are at least two hours. But there's 168 hours in a week, and I know that people aren't going to get all they need in two hours because what's going to happen is they're going to go back into the context of their lives, and whatever good came from that counseling session could be swallowed up by the context of their lives as they get back into the milieu where there's dysfunction and distractions and all all kinds of things going on. And so to have a person who's not necessarily trained at a formalized level, but he's a Christian, loves God, loves people, loves God's Word, and he wants to see people change, he can come alongside that person on a Tuesday. I call it doing Denny's. 
meeting at Denny's, meeting at Starbucks, and encouraging this person in their walk with God in between counseling sessions. It's kind of like an old-fashioned clothesline where people would go out and hang their clothes on a clothesline and it would the, the, the string would go from pole to pole and it would dip in the middle. And what you do is you, you put a pole up in the middle so that it doesn't sag all the way to the ground. And that's what this informal discipler would do. And so we have formalized counseling, we have one another, and then we have small groups. Small groups are a fantastic con- uh, a context for discipleship to take place, where a group of friends are envisioned and equipped, and they are being equipped to do this kind of soul care. Imagine if you had a problem that you were working through in a counseling setting, and then you had a one another friend that you were doing Denny's with. And then you met in a small group of friends, a koinonia group, communication, community group that you were meeting with so that you could continue to facilitate this soul care. This is what I mean by body-to-body ministry. Number four is what people call homework. What I like to call it is customized soul care, where you take this individual and what they're going through and you give them specific things to do to think about, to read, to pray about action items that is customized, fitted for their problem, fitted for them. You discern them and you give them what they need. This is not something that you would map over another individual, but it's something that is peculiar, particular, specific to this individual. Again, some people call it homework, but you're giving them specific disciplines. So counseling, formalize, one anothering, number three, small group, number four, homework, number five, devotions. We're talking about body-to-body ministry. Devotions can be journaling, reading, praying, writing, singing, talking to a friend about your devotions. That is a key element to devotions because you want it to be inculcated into your psyche, into your soul. And one of the ways that you do that is begin to share with others what God is teaching you. You don't want to be the Red Sea. The problem is, is that if you just store up all this information and you're not, you're not sending it out to other people, your devotions can vaporize. They can lose their effectualness if you're not telling it to others. If you can take what God is teaching you in a devotional context and turn it around and put it in words and teach it to other people, you are going to own it. It will be yours, and it will own you. It will master you. So number five is devotions. Number six is fellowship, a word for koinonia or community. And what I mean by that is participating in the community, like social media, communicating with your friends through texting and email, eating together, hiking together, shopping together, hospitality, service endeavors, doing things together. And I'm sure that you could list many more contexts where you can fellowship with the body of Christ. These are not structured meetings per se. These are more spontaneous, not structured, but spontaneous Pneumatic meetings where you get together, even if it is just a text, what you're doing is you're creating contact points with the body of your local church. And the more contact points you have, the more opportunity you will have to 
grow and to mature. Number one, counseling. Number two, one anothering. Number three, small group. Number four, customized soul care homework. Number four, devotional, as I have outlined it here. Number five, participating in the community fellowship. I'm sorry, that's number six. Number seven, church meetings. These are the structured events. Connecting at the church building. This is where you go to the building for different kinds of events. Not spontaneous like the fellowship, number six earlier, but number seven here, church meetings, the functions of the church so that you can connect, you can worship corporately, hear God's word preached corporately, you can fellowship in this corporate setting and pray with each other and do so many other things at the church meetings, number seven. Number eight is family worship. Family worship is an opportunity for life on life in the home. As I was saying earlier that my children are disciplers as they speak into my life. They have brought many things into my life over their short lives. Things that I need to change, things that I need to give attention to, ways that I can serve them better. That's all part of family worship. Worship is not just a structured time where you gather around the fireplace with your Bible open and you talk about God's Word. That's a part of it, if you have a fireplace. Where we meet is in our bed. Historically, our family of five has gathered in our bed, Rick and Lucia, and that's where we have had our most fantastic talk times outside of the dinner table. Those two contexts is where family worship has been uh, really special uh, in our lives. But life on life in the home, it includes singing, praying, reading, studying, teaching, and it includes all forms of communication. As you're worshiping God together in a 24-7 context, what I'm trying to say here, family worship is not 30 minutes an evening. Family worship is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The question is never, are you worshiping? It is, what are you worshiping? And hopefully that you're worshiping Lord God 24 hours a day. Well, when you're not sleeping, but you get the idea seven days a week. And then number nine is serving, discipling the body, or if if, if they're not Christians, you're evangelizing the lost, serving others. Though there is an element of giving in all of these nine concepts that I laid out to you, this last one, serving, is distinctly giving. The idea with the first eight is for the individual to receive soul care. I kind of framed it that way, that this is a person who is struggling with an issue. They come in for counseling. They receive one anothering. They're part of a small group. They do homework, their devotions, participating in the community, fellowship. They go to their church meetings. They're revamping their family worship, all of that is about them making changes so that they can change. But the last one is distinct. It's serving. One of the common denominators that I've found with people who are struggling is that they're not generally servants. They're more self-serving, which has a lot to do with why they are experiencing so much trouble. The gospel is about going, about giving, about doing, about providing for other people. But people who, generally speaking, who are in trouble are the ones who are all about themselves. And so I made this body-to-body ministry graphic here, the ninth element, serving, because that is the goal for all counseling. 
all counseling is designed to have an endpoint, and the endpoint is when you can go out and make disciples. The endpoint for counseling is not for you to get better. That's a midpoint. That's a three-quarter point. But the endpoint is when you're no longer a a needy person in the sense to where you need this kind of soul care, but you are a giving person. You're now mature, and you're now able to provide care to other people. Now, I want to close by asking the most, probably the first question that will be asked when this does not happen at your church. You would probably be surprised, maybe shocked, if you knew on a day-to-day and a week-to-week basis how many times I hear from church people that their church doesn't do this. They They do not provide soul care. The first thing you need to do is talk to your leadership. Let them know what's happening, and then ask them for a plan for change. Have them give you a plan for change. If the church does not change, you'll have to decide if it's a good fit for you. But whatever you do, you make sure that you are caring for others. And if you are unsure how to do this, then I I appeal to you that you come to us and you ask, and we would be glad to talk to you. I have links here to our forum so that you'll know how to talk to us. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.